Hello, and welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast for Edgewood Church in Danville, Illinois. This week at Edgewood. Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Good. Tired. Tired? Yeah. Anybody else tired? There's some tired people in here. Some of you didn't raise your hand because you were too tired. All right, so as you guys know, we're studying 1 Thessalonians. I'm going to pray, and we're going to jump into our passage today. Heavenly Father, God, I do thank you for this day, and I thank you that your word is sufficient. I pray now that you would be with us as we look into your word, that you would guide and direct my words as I talk about it, that I pray that uh, this would be exactly what is needed this morning for each person in this room. In your name I pray, amen. All right, so I'm going to read a a psalm, and I want you to let me know if you've heard this psalm before. I think that with the first sentence, you'll go, I've heard this one before, okay? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Who's heard that? Let me ask you this. Who who likes that psalm? Who? Anybody have a time where you've heard this right at a moment where you're like, I needed to hear that? Anybody ever had that experience? Okay. Let's listen to it, though. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let me read that last verse again. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Who... Here's that goes. That's what I want. Yeah? I don't see anybody in here going, no. Goodness and mercy, no. No, thank you. No, nobody said that. Good. Okay, so we're all on the same page. That's good. This started, though, with a shepherd. Did it not? This is not the only place in the Bible that talks about us like sheep. Uh, Isaiah 40, 11, he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather his lambs in his arms. I think it's interesting how many of us, we like those in those terms, but there's aspects of sheepness that maybe we might kick against a little bit. Okay? This goes, carries on over into the New Testament. This is in the Old Testament. This is God speaking, but then in the New Testament... Jesus fills that role in a way that we've not seen before. You even hear him in John chapter 10. He says this. He he says, uh, I told you and you do not believe the works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you're not among my sheep. And so he kind of lays out this this idea that that people that are Jesus' sheep see what they believe in him and they're they're seeing what he's doing and they're, 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 they're going in that direction of like, okay, Jesus is my shepherd. And some people don't believe those things because they're not his sheep. And then he says this next, you may have heard this. He says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them 
And what do they do? They follow me. Absolutely. We need some more people to do that. Let's try that again. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Well, that's good. Thank you so much. Right? So, I mean, but that's what it is. I, I thought about, at some point at the beginning of this sermon, teaching you a children's song. I, I'm, I'm so tempted to do it. I don't have it in my notes. I scratched it. I said, dumb, dumb idea, Matt. But I'm tempted to do it anyway. Uh, do it? Should I do it? Okay, so have you guys heard? You, I don't know if you've heard this, and I know that some of you have. Uh, it, it goes like this. It goes, I, okay, the, the words are really tough. So, okay, you, you may have a difficult time. Follow along. I just want to be a sheep. And then the next two words are, ba, ba. I just want to be a sheep, ba, ba. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. I just want to be a sheep. Can we do that one? Who, who knows that one? All right, can we sing nice and loud here so that you can drown out my voice? I just want to be a sheep. Ba, ba, I just want to be a sheep. Ba. Come on, get into it, people. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. I just want to be a sheep. Ba, ba. Okay, that was good. Maybe I should have scratched that. I don't know. <clears throat> I'll teach you the rest of the verses later. They, they, they're not very, they don't make a whole lot of sense, but I do enjoy them. Um, but my sheep, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. That's what Jesus says. We ought to be embracing sheepness. Okay? I'm encouraging you to do that. Be a sheep. As long as you have the right shepherd and you're following Jesus, be a sheep. Jesus says this in Luke chapter 12. He says, fear not, little flock. For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom I've got to be honest, I want to be part of God's little flock. And I don't have a problem with being called a flock as long as Christ is my shepherd. Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 16, he says, and I have other sheep. I love this verse because it makes me think of us. Jesus was speaking to uh, Jewish people at the time, and he's getting ready to send them out, and he says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. That's us. On the other side of the planet, Jesus knew about us. And he says, I've got other sheep. They will listen to my voice as well. So that there will be one flock and one shepherd. One flock, one shepherd. I absolutely believe that. Now, without getting too sidetracked, because remember, we're supposed to be talking about 1 Thessalonians, right? So I'm headed that way. But I felt like we needed some, some groundwork to be done. Because to be honest with you, I think there's a lot of people who say, Jesus is my shepherd, but they don't want to be his sheep. That's where I'm headed. They love Jesus, they say. But Jesus' sheep hear his voice, and what do they do? They? Absolutely. I'm so glad you're here today. <laughs> Nobody else knew how to answer that. They follow, right? That's what they do. They follow. We are part of that one giant flock, and I'm happy to be so. Ephesians chapter 4 says there is one body, one spirit. Jesus are called to the one hope belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. That's a verse that we could unpack for a while, but I'm telling you right now, 
There is one Lord. That's what the scriptures teach. There's one Lord. There's one hope. There's one faith. We are part of that. Now, what do we call this group of people? What does the Bible eventually start to call this group of people that is Jesus' flock? What do we call it? What's the, the name that we use? The church. So if I talk about the flock, I can talk about the flock or I can talk about the church. The community of faith. The ones who are going to be the inheritors, like I said a little bit earlier, of the kingdom of God. Our kingdom is not of this world. We do have a king. We're still here. We're part of that kingdom. Everybody on board? Now, this particular passage is very interesting. It's going to start to shift to where we're headed to this. And I'm going to be honest with you. In just a minute, I'm going to get very transparent here about myself. And so for those of you that know me, and you know Matt the introvert, that's not comfortable, but I'm going to do it anyway because I think it's relevant. Okay? <clears throat> Grace. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, you're probably going, you're an introvert. I, no, I am. I, this, you know, can I tell you something weird? I feel actually feel, sometimes I feel more comfortable talking like this than I do like one-on-one. I, that, is that weird? I don't know. Yeah? It's a little bit weird, isn't it? Yeah. Some people are like, no, I, like, I don't know. I'm the guy when you go to a party and you have, everybody's like having the, the birthday party going on. I'm the guy that you find in the other room by myself eating the cake. Like, <laughs> nobody talk to me. Okay. <clears throat> okay, there's one body, one flock. That's what we are. What does it say next? Paul says next, but grace... Grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Follow his logic here, Paul's logic. So There's one group of people, God's people, this flock, and Christ is given grace, right? And there's these gifts. Therefore, it says, and Paul quotes from the Old Testament, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. He goes on a few verses after that, but then he gets into what those gifts are. So how has this shepherd who, I don't know if you know this, but our shepherd isn't still walking around amongst us in bodily form today, right? What what did Jesus do after he rose from the dead? He ascended. He had descended down to the earth, but then he went back up. So here we are. Our king is there. And it feels that way, doesn't it? I, I wish sometimes I go, man, I wish that Jesus was still here. Do you ever think that? Like, I wish you still, like, physically, bodily here. But he even told his own disciples, he said, he said, it's good for me to go, because if I go, then the Holy Spirit comes. And so here's the reality. This, the reality is that it's good that Jesus went, because if he was still in bodily, physical form right here, right now on this earth, there'd be one of him, and I, he might not be in this building today. But he says, it's good for me to go, because when I go, I'm going to send to you the Spirit of God. And so now what can you have? You can have all these churches across the planet equally sharing in the presence of their shepherd through the Spirit. Does that make sense? I want you to think about what this looks like. What does this actually look like? Okay? What are those gifts? Paul says, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, he says, And he gave the apostles, apostles, Peter, Paul, the twelve, there were others, prophets, Evangelists, the word evangelist just means the ones who are pronouncing the good news. 
then he says this, third, this uh, fourth little category here, shepherds and teachers. Now that word shepherds, okay, and this is where the sermon shifts from being, I'm totally fine to feeling a little uncomfortable. I'm just being honest with you, right? Here's where the transparency starts. The word that is translated here is shepherds. Another way that you can translate that word in scriptures is the word pastor. So gift, if I'm reading this, pastors and teachers. Now, can you imagine why I, why I personally shift to and discomfort at this moment? Because, because think about what, here, here's how my brain works. I just thought to myself, I just pronounced to a group of people that God gave you a gift and it's me. <laughs> now, my mom doesn't have a problem with that. She named me Matthew. And you know what Matthew means? Gift of God. So my mom heard that and she goes, I don't understand the problem. Matthew, you are such a gift. God. Yeah. But that moves to... But this is what the scripture says. So I'm telling you, as I, as I dig into this, I've had to reckon with this idea in this position. If the scriptures are true, what does it say? God, Christ, when he went, he gave. And what does it look like? The, the giving of the spirit to the church, what does it look like? It looks like people. That's what that says. Looks like actual people with arms and legs. Now, I'm fine with this when one of the people isn't me. Because there's some amazing people out there that I feel like, man, they're gifted. But that's not how this works, actually. The gift is not, they have a certain set of skills. The gift is the role that God is going to use them in that group. Okay? Shepherds and teachers, what's their purpose? To equip the saints, that's all of you, which we've talked about this passage before, they equip the saints, that's all of you. What's, what's my job? To equip all of you for what? The work of the ministry, which might be a new idea for some of you because you usually look at the guy that's the pastor and go, hey, God called him into the ministry. But if I read this verse, my job is to equip you for what? He's going to say it. <laughs> God, to equip the saints for the work of, oh, he wasn't, he wasn't listening that time. Doggone it. You've let me down, Toby. No. He's tired. He's tired. It's okay. It's okay. You were the only one that answered earlier, so we're, we're good. But that's what the scriptures teach. My job is to equip you for ministry. Do you believe that? Okay. Now, I'm supposed to be going into 1 Thessalonians, right? But I'm not there yet. So what does this mean for you and me, these ideas? Being a sheep. I just want to be a sheep. You all sang it a minute ago. I just want to be a sheep. And then you bawed. Right? I just want to be a sheep. What does this mean for you and me? I think it means two things. The first one it means is a recognition that this is how God will bless. So if you, if you, if you hear these scriptures, there needs to be amongst God's people as his sheep hearing his voice and following him, there needs to be a recognition that this is how God was. So just recognizing that this is how God is working. How did God gift to his people? Through people. So if you go, uh, I'm fine out there on my own, sitting in the fishing boat, I don't need to go to church, God's flock, and be a part of that, then I would say right now, you're not recognizing what the scriptures teach. Does that make sense? 
Am I saying that you can't be out on a, you know, in the middle of the woods and be communing with God? Am I saying that? No, absolutely not. But there needs to be a recognition that how God has chosen to bless, how he will bless, is not primarily through the lone sheep out there, out on the range. It's through his flock. And how has he chosen to bless? Through people. I'm going to gift to you, your people. Okay? You need a shepherd, I need a shepherd. Another way, a second way that we ought to take this into consideration is not just recognizing but then submitting to God's way of doing things. Okay, God, if this is how you're doing things, I want to submit to that way of doing things. At the very least, a lack of submission could result in missing out. I know this firsthand. I know that some of you know this firsthand. Many of you have tried to blaze the trail of being your own individual flock by yourself. And you have come back to church, and one of the reasons that you've said this uh, without using these words is because you've recognized that you have missed out, because this is God's way of blessing his people, right? Does that make sense? I'm sorry, everybody just went like this. It's the phone. <laughs> Sometimes I think I'm a little attention deficit, but then I, I look at you guys and I go, I'm not alone. <laughs> you guys are so, it's so funny being up here on that ring. You guys didn't hear anything I said. Once I, like looking at a squirrel. Um, uh, <clears throat> but there needs to be a submission. At the very least, that l- lack of submission to God's way of doing things is going to lead to you missing out. If this is the way he said, I'm going to bless my people. This is the way God, I, so I ascended, now I've descended. What did it say right here? Let me go back a verse. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. What were those gifts? There they are. And so at the very least, you're missing out on the gifts that Christ is wanting to give to his people, at the very least, if you choose to not be a part of a community of faith. It could also mean, at the most, it could also mean, well, Jesus said, if my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. So it might mean if you've decided to go that route, it might mean that you're actually just not a sheep. Because what do Jesus' sheep do? They hear his voice and they what? Follow him. him. (laughs) Right? That's so good. Isn't that true though? Okay. Now, for some of us, or for all of us, this means submission to being a sheep. Okay? I hope that you're ready and willing to say, okay, I'm ready to be one of his sheep and follow him. But for some of us, and I might make an argument that it is also for all of us in different ways, but for some of us, that's meant something a little bit different. So this is where I promised you a minute ago, I said I'm going to get a little bit transparent, okay? Um, actually, let me look. I'm shifting from my digital notes to my paper notes for a minute, because this has actually been a significant point, and you, you may be thinking, I don't, I don't understand how this is a point of submission, but this has been a point of submission for me. I've hinted at this the last few weeks. Um, but this has been a serious point of submission for me, submitting to God's way of doing things, okay? A little history. Can I give you guys a little history? Okay. History. Back in 1992, I mean, I'd grown up in a Christian home. I was a gift of God, according to my mom, but there was some reprobateness going on here in the heart. 
92 is when I find that God got a hold of my life. I've told you before that it was through James chapter 2, verse 14. What, what is a prophet, my brother? If a man says he has faith, but does not have works, can that faith save him? Boom. It's like God jumped out of the pages. Boom. Smack. 1993, Matt the introvert said, I want to preach something. And so my pastor graciously, I think Pastor Jacobs was still the pastor at that time. I just went, okay, I was three years out of high school. I'm in training. I said, I want to preach. And I, he said, okay, let me preach. I didn't know what I was doing. But there, there was this recognition within myself, man, I want to do this. From 95 to 96, well, from 93, 94, 95, 96, and there, at some point, there was some time where I just decided, we had that rescue mission down here. And as a kid, I mean, I hadn't finished college or anything, but I was like, I just wanted to share God's word. I just had this motivation. It, the, and it wasn't natural for me, but I wanted to share the word of God with people. And so I was going to the rescue mission every Thursday night and preaching at the rescue mission. They had somebody preach each night, a little short uh, devotional, and then they would eat. And so I started doing that. In 97, I had a decision to make. It was either going to be go back to school or become an electrician. That was, that's, what I had on the, that's what I had on the table. Now, I was leaning at that time towards electrician. And Charity can tell you about this. I, I sent out, like, I did the application, electrician apprenticeship with the electrical workers. I right, put it in to get that apprenticeship. I, and I, I was like, hadn't heard back, hadn't heard back. And I was like, Lord, I think it was July 1st of that year. It would have been 97 of July, July 1st of 1997. I was like, okay, Lord, if I don't hear back by July 1st, then I, I'm, then I'm going to believe. This is, where, this is where I'm getting into this concept of where it's turned into a point of submission for me. That these things I'm talking about, a point of submission for me, because I, I, I was okay submitting being a sheep, but as we're starting to see from these passages, part of God's process and some of his sheep he uses as shepherds to his sheep. Now, I'm the kind of guy, I love being told what to do. Some of you are not like that, I know that. Me, I, I, I don't mind at all. I love being told what to do. Just tell me what to do. I'll do whatever you want me to do. But then God started calling me in this direction, do this. So I said, okay, July 1st. Like, okay. If I don't hear back, July 1st, I'm going to go back to school to go into the ministry, right? July 2nd, I got the acceptance letter, <laughs> right? For the electrician apprenticeship, right? So July 1st came, went, like, well, I guess July 2nd, it showed up in the mail, and I was like, Lord, when I said July 1st, maybe I meant, like, was there a buffer set of days. I really had it. I was like, no, no, this is what we're going to do. Went back to school. Went back to school to be a preacher slash pastor, and so I declared my major as math teacher. <laughs> you might be thinking, well, wait a minute. That, okay, this is where I, I'm telling you right now, this is where it's starting. it was starting to pop out there for me because I was like, yeah, God, I'll do whatever you want. But not that. But I'll get really close if you want me to. I'll get as close as I can. In my head, honestly, in my head I was like, what's the closest to being someone who preaches the word without actually being the person who preaches the word? 
I'll just be a teacher. And then I can kind of teach some stuff and maybe I can work that in and have some opportunities to, to do that and fill pulpit or whatever, you know, on the side. Can you see already I was battling that point of submission? Um, 2000, 2004, I was a school teacher, taught at a Christian school for a while, um, taught Bible, taught math all along, finding opportunities to fill pulpit just there. But I knew, the back of my head, I, I kept going. God, I, uh, maybe I should, no, I shouldn't. Maybe, I, no, I should, I don't know. Lord, I, I don't think I, I should as a person. 2004, 2009, I uh, was living in South Carolina. Again, teaching Bible at a Christian school, um, teaching math, looking for opportunities to fill the pulpit. We were working at the church down there as well, doing some Sunday schools of uh, the counseling class. I remember I taught that for a little bit. Now, then I decided, okay, God, I'm going to come back to Danville. I had a heart for Danville as well. And I said, okay, I'm going to come back to Danville in 2009. Came back. I'm leaving elements of this story out. (laughs) But um, I hadn't announced I was coming back, but I was thinking in my head, I'm going to go back and help that pastor at Edgewood. There was a pastor here at the time. I said, I'm going to go back and help him. I knew him from previous, and I'm going to go back and help him. Uh, about a week before I announced I was for sure moving back, he resigned. So just so you're not like thinking like he heard I was coming back and was like, I'm out of here. Okay, that's not, that's not what happened. He didn't know. Um, I love him. His name was Mike Westcombe. Um, I came back, started filling pulpit to help out, and I said, on a Wednesday night maybe, I made an offer. I said, all right, Edgewood, I want to make an offer that I will fill pulpit until we find the real pastor. And um, Ed Doolin said, well, I think we found the real pastor, (laughs) Um, and I accepted on a surface level. I have to, to be honest with you, I have to, here I am, I'm still filling pulpit. Um, I have to, every, each and every week, resubmit myself to God's plan. Um, that is why I'm telling you this side of it. Acts chapter 20 says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock speaking to those who would lead, help lead the churches under the great shepherd in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. He bought it with his blood. I didn't buy anything. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Things will come in, wrong teachings. And I, I sit here and I go, I, I read passages like this, and I go, there's a, there's a role, Lord, and, and I, I wish you'd pick somebody that was really good at this kind of stuff to do it, but God, you, right now it's, it's me, and I'm okay with that. I'm submitting to God's way because I'm trusting that how God gifts his church is not through skill, but by his grace he just chooses people to fill those roles at that time for that purpose. Being a pastor is not a career. It's not a profession. I'm not a professional pastor. I'm a professional math explainer. I'm great at explaining math. I'm a professional. 
But being a pastor is not a profession. It's a calling. First Peter, Peter tells people, and I think that he had in mind what Jesus told him just before he ascended. Jesus told Peter, he says, he says you love me? And Jesus, Peter's like, Lord, no, I do. And, and Jesus kept saying, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep, Peter. And here Peter is writing this letter years later. He says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And I see these things laid out as this is how we ought to be as a pastor, as the leaders of this church. It's very different than the, world, the way the world runs an organization. There are leaders in this world that grab at leadership, cling on to it, demand allegiance. That is not how God's flock works. We only have one shepherd, that's Christ. The rest of us are just under him. Why am I telling you this? Because we're in 1 Thessalonians, and now we're going to jump into 1 Thessalonians. It says this. Paul, in his wrap-up of all that he says, says, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. Once again, I shift back with these passages to feeling uncomfortable because when I read this, I feel like it sounds like I'm going, Y'all better respect me. Now. That's what it feels like when I say it. That is not at all what it is. And to esteem them very highly. I don't like saying those things out loud. But this is what God's Word says. So I have to, like when I preach through Scripture, I have to get to these passages. I have to go, that's what it says, so i got to say it. There are three commands in this passage for all of us. The first one, if you can see it, is to respect. Now, many different translations translate this word differently. Your version might say uh, recognize. Some of them say no. Uh, some of them say acknowledge. Uh, it, the word literally means to see them. So it's respect in the sense of acknowledgement, recognition. And it's not in the sense of recognition like we're going to give you a plaque. It's a, it's a recognition of the heart where you go, I see them. Who are these people that you're, this is to be that way to is it the ones that have the badge in this passage? No. Notice who it is. Three things here. First of all, those who do what? Labor among you. So we ought to, as God's people, start looking around and say, who's working? This word labor is so interesting because it's not just work. It's, it's labor. It, it carries with it the idea of like worn out labor. So look around. In this little flock, who's doing that? That's who you ought to. Not just because I'm the guy behind the podium. What, what ought you to do? You ought to recognize those who work among you. This is not even about just verbal recognition, because we can do that today. I actually thought about doing that, like going through and pointing out people in this church that work hard. And I think most of you know who they are. There's people in this church that work hard for the, the sake of the kingdom to help guide this church towards Christ. And there's a lot of different capacities that they do that, from, from teaching small children to the adults to leading the music to preparing the music to preparing the building. There's all kinds of things that are happening to help point people to Jesus. We ought to see them, recognize them. And the, the context here is that, that that's 
not an outward like, okay, we need to recognize these people. Let's make a plaque on the wall and put their names on it. No, that's not what it's saying. It's like you in your heart ought to go, those are the kind of people I need to be looking at. How are they living? I'm over here on my struggle bus every week. Come to church on Sunday, I'm like, man, everything's going good. I'm going to love Jesus. Then you get through the week and you're like, everything's going to pot. And you're like, what's happening? Come to church. So looking around. And that person's got their act together. They're working hard in the church. Besides whatever else they're doing out there, they're working hard here. Um, an example of what this looks like to see them. I remember when we were young parents, um, Samuel was rotten. Sorry, Samuel. You're wonderful now. Most of the time. Um, and one of the things we, we, we looked at, and, and I, I give Charity the credit for this, really thinking through this, like, look at, I just like beat his butt. <laughs> um, Charity, Charity started looking at some parents that had some really good kids. Oh, no, everybody did it again. <laughs> you guys are ridiculous. Um, she started looking at, like, what, looks at some parents that have some obedient children. And go to this, what are you doing? Show me. That's the idea that's here. Show me. Recognize those who labor among you. They're working hard. Also, those who are over you in the Lord. Now, there is a concept here of over you in the sense of, I'm just telling you, there is that sense in this word of over you in the sense of ruling over you. But you know that from the scriptures, this ruling is never a ruling like, I'm the boss. You're going to do what I say. Now, I have, I have fortunately, I've never been in a church that was like that. I've heard people share stories of uh, churches that they've had. The pastor was like large and in charge. I, I've never had to experience that. The, the churches I've been a part of, for the most part, um, had the, the, the pastors have been gracious, humble servants of the Lord. Um, there's been some close exceptions, but uh, um, for the most part, that's what I've experienced. But that's the way it ought to be. But what is this talking about? Those who are over you, there's definitely this concept of ruling, but it's, I think it's more the idea of putting forth the effort in the word of God to guide you and direct you. The third thing here is to ad, uh, those who are admonishing you. So we're to recognize, see those who are admonishing you. So this doesn't have to just be people who have positions, but if you're going the wrong way in life, and somebody comes along from this flock or one of the other little flocks in this town, and they see what you're doing, and they go, that's not the right way you ought to go. That's admonishing you. Some of you are really good at that. You're much more bold than I am. I usually come at it like this. You know, um, I'm just kind of thinking about you know, the direction you've been headed. And, you know, I love you, and I think you're doing a really great job and really trying to do that. I'm not like that as a teacher, but... As a, as a pastor, I'm usually following that line. Now, some of you aren't like that. You're like, get a grip. Put your big boy pants on, start doing the right thing. What's wrong with you? You know, some of you are really good at that. I, I usually tend to go this, this other direction. But we need all of that. And if you're sitting here, you ought to acknowledge, recognize those people that are willing to do that. There are some of you in this room that go, I've, I've been on the receiving end of that. Recognize it. That's what Paul, Paul is saying here. See it, recognize it, respect it. Like this, this is God. This is a gift of God for me. Right? In this moment. This is, this is God's gift for me. 
I was out here trying to do Christianity on my own and living life on my own. And then God sent that person to you, not because they're skilled with admonishment, but because they're filling that role. They're the ones that came up to you and said, do better. Change your path. You're going the wrong way. Come on, let's go. Some of you know that directly because you've had people that said, Let's start with a little baby step. Let's go to church, right? Let's go to church. Just see God's flock. Let's hang around with them for a little bit. Number two command, first one is respect or see. Number two that Paul says is to esteem them very highly in love. Um, There's all sorts of passages I can go to in Scripture that talk about um, recognizing, respecting, and, and lifting up those people that are over you simply by their position. So that's something we have to talk about with students a lot, that this, this person is the teacher in the room. You need to show some measure of respect to them while they're in the room. They might be a, a jerk. I have to say that. Sometimes I'm the dean at Danville High School, right? So we've had to say that. That, that teacher, are there some jerk teachers? We can't say that. This is recorded. Um, they're wonderful. No, but are there jerk teachers in the world? Yeah. They'll be like, Oh, Mr. So-and-so, my science teacher, he was a jerk. Uh, so yeah, are there some jerk teachers? Absolutely. But, but one of the things that you, I, I could say is, hey, I can tell students, show that respect. Let, if they do this, let, let me help you. And if there's something that they're doing that's wrong, there's a way. There's a, but that's not actually what this is saying at all. This passage actually says this, esteem them very highly in love. Lift them up. That word esteem means lift up. Lift them up highly in love. Because of what? Their position? In this verse it says because of their work. work. Their work. We need a few more Tobys in here. Their work. You're looking at their work. You're looking at what they're doing. And you're saying, lift up. Let me give you an example of this eyes open. I'm going to call it this. I'm going to call this eyes open sheepishness. Okay? That wasn't in my notes. I just made that up. Eyes open, sheepishness. The, the, the being one of God's sheep with my eyes open, I'm, I'm looking around. Because there's nobody in this room that's going to demand blind allegiance. Okay, That's not how it works in God's community. It, it's eyes open, sheepishness. Okay, Let me give you an example. Uh, lately, and I've, I've talked about it today, lately I've been preaching uh, the importance of being faithful. Not just... Uh, Faithful to God, but faith, showing that faithfulness to God because you're one of his sheep. I've said it a couple times today. Be, being a part of a local community of, of faith, being part of God's flock, that, that visible form of God's flock where you're around other believers. I, I've talked about some reasons for that today because that's a, that's a submission on your part to recognize this is the way God gifts to his people. So I've been talking about those things. A way that you can esteem highly and love someone who's up here. I'm, 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 here's what the scriptures say. So I work, I'm working at the scriptures. Here's what it says. A way that you can esteem that highly is to not do this. That sounds so nice. Right? Part of, part of the submitting to this is recognizing that when you come in here each week, and th- this, is where, this is where it gets weird for me, because I'm sitting here going, I'm just a guy, and I'm coming up here, and I'm actually banking on the concept of what the scriptures teach, that somehow in God's goodness, that exactly what you needed to hear today is what we're talking about. And I'm the, the, the voice of that today. 
That's a miracle. If you know me really well, that's a real miracle. Charity's shaking her head too much. <laughs> Did you see that? It's a miracle. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't amen that. But, now my mom, of course, she's like, of course, Matt. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Um, my wife loves me very much. <laughs> um, but how do you esteem those things that I say? I get up here and I, 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 I say, how, do, how can you esteem it? How can you lift it up? What do you do? You go, okay, he said this. This, this must be something God might have for me. I'm going to keep this at the forefront of my thought process when I go through this week. So when I get to the, the so I'm, I'm working my way through the week. So, so, so other things that I've said at different times, I say, you should be reading your Bible. You wake up on Monday. Like, and this is some, not because Matt said it, but because you're looking at the bigger picture. You're trusting that God's way of blessing his people is actually working. And so you're going, okay, I'm going to trust that this is working with sinful people. It's working. God is big enough to still bless his people through sinful pastor, sinful people. We can still get the message from God for this week. So that if I get up here and I say, hey, you need to read your Bible, you should go, that was from God for me. There must be some reason why I ought to do that. Is this making sense? Okay. Can you, can you see why it's, it's a point of submission for me too? Because I sit here and I go, man, that's... I have to each and every week say, okay, God, I'm, I'm submitting to this idea that somehow, I'm going to take this study idea, but somehow the result when I get up here is going to be the very words of God being spoken to his people by the power of the Spirit. Somehow, God, how, how are you going to do that? If you ever see me up in the front, like right before the service, head down, you know what I'm doing? I'll tell you, same thing every single week. Lord, somehow, God, I need your spirit. Because I, I, I got these notes. And sometimes I have my notes in my hand. I go, Lord, I got these notes. But Lord, if this is not what you want, don't shut me up. Point me where I, I ought to go. What, what am I supposed to say? I usually have a couple little prayers like, Lord, I, how did I get myself into this situation where I'm the one that's supposed to be doing this? Lord, there's so many people that are really good at this kind of thing. You should be having them. And God's like, shut up, Matt, because I got you here. There's nobody else here right now, Matt, so it's your job. And I have to say, okay, God, I'm trusting you that your way is going to work. Does it make sense? Trusting this miracle each and every week. There's a final command here. So we have first, respect, recognize. Second, esteem. And the way to esteem is... I'm not at all promoting, like, we need to start putting up banners, you know, Pastor Matt. You know, that's obviously not what it's about. Esteeming is, is recognizing the great God that's working through his plan so that you get these things. You go, okay, this is what God had for me this week. The final thing here, he says, be at peace among yourselves. Um, I haven't had an issue with this at Edgewood where there's been any infighting. I know the history of Edgewood. There's been some of that in the past. Before I was here, I've heard of other churches that have gone through these struggles of infighting over ridiculous things like the color of carpet or the, the, the shade of the chairs or the paint that's going to be used, stupid stuff, okay? Um, but if we continue to grow, I can almost guarantee at some point, which we've had some growth here, I can guarantee at some point, you're going to meet somebody that you don't agree with on every single thing. 
right? And I can say right now, as the spokesperson today for what God has for you, be at peace among yourselves. No forming alliances. Right? No talking behind backs. Bad. Shame on you. Don't do it. No sinful anger at others. I'm telling you right now, we are headed into... What is, is August now? We're in August? August, September, October, November. What's happening in November in this country? Thanksgiving. You guys are so nice. Thanksgiving. We got an election coming up, right? Uh, we live in a world that's very divided. And I'm telling you right now, one of, one of the things that I believe that God wants for me to impress upon you is to not be divided over those things. We can have a diversity of conclusions, but we have where it's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And God and Father of all. And you're going to have to learn how to communicate with each other the way God would have you communicate. That involves things like listening, trying to understand, comprehending, thinking about things, right? I, I don't have any particular thought that I think that any of you should be yelling at each other, right? Even if it's just through Facebook with all caps. That's yelling. The Bible teaches us, I don't have time to go into this, but there, let me give you a brief understanding. In Matthew chapter 18, it says, if, if your brother or sister offends you, you're to go to them. If you can't work it out, then you can go get somebody else. And you, my favorite thing about the going to get somebody else is the second step is because sometimes you go to get somebody else and that other person goes, you probably shouldn't have been offended by that. That's actually not, right? And sometimes that resolves it. But if that person hears it and goes, that, that's, that's pretty serious, they go back and they go to that person and you try to work it out with, with another one involved. This is not building a team to go attack. This is bringing in a third voice that might be able to help. If that doesn't work, you bring it to the church, the flock, God's flock. Right? So if I'm hearing about something, it shouldn't, the, the, whoever, whoever it was that you're upset with, should they have heard about it first before I hear about it? Yes. Right? What, what about your friend? Should they hear about it before the person you're upset with? Not first. You're upset. Who should, who should you go to first? Look at that. Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. Jesus lays out very clearly. This is, a, this is how we're going to handle conflict in, in the church. So as we progress forward to be at peace, this is the way we ought to think. So respect, recognize those who labor among you, who are doing that work. Esteem them highly because of that work. Lift it up in your heart and your mind to recognize what God is doing. Um, finally, be at peace among yourselves. Come in here and go, okay, this is what God's got for me today.
This is what God's got for me today. Recognize it for what it is. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I do thank you for this day, and I just thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray that you'd help us um, all to submit to your way of doing things. Lord, as, I'm, as I continue to fill this role of this church, God, I ask for your grace in my life that the things that are said will always be what you want. Lord, I, I trust continually that when the time comes for, for someone else to fill this role, Lord, I am so ready to hand that over. But Lord, in the meantime, Lord, I must be willing to submit to you and to boldly preach what your word teaches. I pray that you'd help me to continue to do that. I pray that others in this church would, would rise up to do the work. God, that together as a flock, we might engage in the ministry of this community. Lord, outside of our walls in this, this town, this city. God, I pray now that you would just protect this flock, Lord, from wrong teaching, from misguided motives and directions that we might take. Lord, help us to be focused on your kingdom. I pray these things now in Christ's name. Amen.